Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Clutch Talk podcast slash YouTube slash We Do It All. As always, I'm your host, John. Very happy to be here. My boy, Jay Hiz, over there in the six. How you doing, baby? I'm doing good, but I could be great. The, the one thing that would make me great is if everyone watching this YouTube video that's on YouTube could, could subscribe. So a lot of y'all watch our videos and we really appreciate it. But if you could subscribe, that'd be great as well. And we got some good guests on as well. So I'm excited for that. Talk about these heat. Yes, sir, man. You know, you know, for a team like the Miami Heat, very controversial team, we had to bring two guests that are going to bring that heat. So we, we are very happy to have JJ and Kenneth, man. JJ and Kenneth, I don't know if you guys want to introduce yourself, talk a little bit about yourself. I know Kenneth, uh, before we got on, was talking a bit about how he became a Miami Heat fan. I don't know, JJ, if you want to talk a little bit about that. But uh, we're happy to have you guys on. Well, I can, I can speak from how I became a Miami Heat fan. First, I'm from Puerto Rico, so the Miami Heat are the team of closest proximity to my home country. And, you know, I started watching the NBA as, right as the big three formed. So I, I had a rooting interest in the Heat as well but due to geographic proximity and the big three. So it was a no-brainer for me to root for the Miami Heat, and I've been doing that since. Love their toughness, man. Brian Grant, he did it for me, the way he approached the game, the way he went about playing the game. It led me to dive in deeper into what the Heat culture was and what it was that they did. Um, of course, you have Pat Riley, and then, you know, that basically started my infatuation and how can you not continue to be infatuated when you bring in a guy like Dwayne Wade and then you bring in Shaq and you start winning titles and you go a couple more years and you got the big three and everything else they've done since. I mean, you know, Jimmy Butler's the epitome of Miami Heat basketball and the Miami Heat player. So um, even if you're just picking it up this year, last year, it's the same thing that it was when I saw Brian Grant do it, that fight, that ferocity, that intensity. Um, that's the thing that drew me to Miami Heat basketball and, you know, probably draws every other fan too. Yeah, man. My, Miami Heat basketball, everybody knows that that's not just any other regular team. And that, that's the, we all know their training camp uh, is notoriously known for being a crazy, crazy, rigorous training camp, man. So I'm just happy to have you guys on here to talk about all this, man. So, we got on this beautiful September 23rd, Thursday, man. I'm just happy to get straight into this uh, Miami Heat thing, Miami Heat uh, discussion here, man. So the first question that we'd like to ask fans uh, for this for this team interview is, as a Miami Heat fan, are you content with the way the year went? Well, you mean the previous season? No, no, we're not content how, with how it went. But hey, we were alongside the Lakers, we were you know, it's no coincidence that both finals teams got eliminated in the first round. We were screwed over by the shortened offseason. They were, they basically had like a couple, I can't, I don't want to say a couple, like two months or something. And then we were back in action. So they were tired all season. COVID struck the team early on. And we were, at one point, we were, can't, we were like six games under 500, right? At one point during the, yep. the beginning. With Jimmy Butler missing Early on in the time. season, and you know by the end there, by the end of the regular season, we start picking up some steam. But then after that game one against Milwaukee, everything went downhill, and it was just hey, mercy killing at that point. Yeah, man. I mean, they like you said, and they shot their load early on. Um, not to be so blunt about it, but it was just like I guess the defeat or the feelings of agony after losing the way you did in game one. 
it totally deflated them because I mean, let's go, let's all be frank. If you're watching it, they should have won, but then you have a great player and Chris Middleton, you know, do what he does the absolute best, which is nail mid-range jump shots. Um, and mind you, he did that with a defender in his face. Duncan Robinson isn't, you know, a prime Detroit Pistons player, but he was right there. So um, that'll deflate a man. And that's what I think happened to answer the question quickly and not take too much time. Content is a strong word, and I think that's something you can't ever use when you're talking about the Miami Heat because it's less, unless it's a title, then no. But at the same time, to his point, there are two interesting facts that I like to point to when I think about last season. There was more time in between the first part and the second part of the bubble year than there was between last season and the bubble season. There were four months in between the first and second parts and two months, as J.J. They said in between last season and the season prior. And then if you also think about this, within the last couple of days, it's the anniversary of when uh, Anthony Davis hit the shot over Denver. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that was, I think a, that was, yeah, that was three seasons now that we'll be in play within, you know what I mean? Almost a year, a literal calendar year, you'll be in scene at least three, you know, parts of three different seasons. So, I mean, Tyler Hero dropped 37, like, a year ago today or yesterday, something like that. It's crazy. And, you know, a whole season happened after, after that shot, after the, at that 37 points, excuse me. So it makes you think like, Hey, this team, they were, they were primed to fail. And, you know, the Lakers and the Lakers had a similar situations with their injuries and the heat again, battled injuries as well throughout the season. Yeah, man. And, you know, JJ, uh, uh, something that I believe in, something that me and Jay Hill believe in over here at Clutch Talk is, is full transparency. So I'm going to be open and honest. I'm a Lakers fan. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm not a biased Lakers fan. I I know about well, the league. <laughs> I'm not, you know what I'm saying? I'm a Lakers fan. So I know I know what it was like having that short off season, the shortest off season in league history. So that 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 leads me to my next question to to both of you guys, which you which you answered, uh, JJ. So I don't know, Kenneth, you want to touch a bit on it, but how did you guys feel that that shortened seventy two days off season affected you guys? Because you know there there were some people around the league that that didn't believe in the uh, in the in the fatigue. They didn't believe that. Oh, you're okay. You you got your rest. Like, no, this shit is for real. Like, 72 days is not enough time for these athletes to recover from a NBA Finals to get back into a, a a full NBA season. So, how did you guys feel that the Miami Heat were affected this year by uh, that short off season? Well, when you look at it, man, you can look at it from just that perspective of fatigue is real. You said it. You can't account for what you know that type of atmosphere and run I don't know how many guys on this panel play AAU basketball how many people out there listen and play AAU basketball but the way that works is you might play multiple games in a day you might be playing a game every day I mean the multiple games in a day is something early on in the tournament situations but after that you still might be playing a game every day so that's just an example of how like consistently and constantly having to play basketball and doing nothing going to your hotel room right back to the facility just the whole psychological fatigue enhances the physical fatigue, which is just literally real, as you've said. And then you can look at it from other perspectives, man. When you think about guys like Jimmy Butler, who only knows how to play at a thousand percent, and I'm sure that all four of us can agree, he went toe to toe with LeBron James in that NBA finals run during the bubble. And he gave us everything he had. And don't get me wrong, there were guys that played well. Jimmy Butler was the out and out leader and the out and out, you know, depended on guy to be the engine and make it happen for us. So 
when you think about that, and then another underrated fact that I like to touch on, excuse me, we have a guest here, I apologize. Um, it's the off season situation when you think about Tyler Hero, the leap that people expected him to take this year was the one he took in between both bubble sessions. So you can't really account for that particular off season and think that he's supposed to take another leap. Because as mentioned, it was more time between the first part of the bubble season and the second part of the bubble season than there was between the actual, you know, off seasons last year. So it definitely had an impact, man, in those multiple ways. And there are more to be listed, but we just won't go into them because those are the big ones. Those multiple ways show how it's really literally simply that. So so to, to ask both of you a question, and it's a huge question for y'all, uh, you know, Kenneth, you talked about the heat culture, you know, you talked about that gritty toughness, you talked about Jimmy Butler, you talked about in the past, Brian Grant. So let's talk about, you know, one of the biggest additions of the offseason, in my opinion, uh, you know, you brought in a pit bull, you know, that's what I always call him, a dog a guy who's going to add to the heat culture, if not elevate an already championship roster, in my opinion, we'll talk about that more. And you already got, you know, Eric Spolstra, who's the second, you know, 10 veered coach in the league for a reason after Popovich, Greg Popovich. So let's talk about what you guys think about the addition of Kyle Lowry from the Toronto Raptors to the heat nation. What do y'all think about that? Well, what I think Kyle Lowry will, first off, huge addition. We've been talking, we have been talking about it, even before the offseason, we already anticipated that he was coming over. It has it had been talked about for a bunch a lot of time. He almost came over in the at the trade deadline, but Masai Ujiri, for some reason, decided to shoot himself in the foot and basically got a lesser return for him than he what he would have gotten in the uh, the trade deadline because I think it was reported that he that the offer consisted of one of Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero and some other players and he ended up getting Goran Dragic who again no disrespect to the dragon that's I hope Raptors fans up there take good care of him because that's that's a dragon he he was excellent for us but anyway they got a lesser return for him but on the basketball side what he brings to us is first off that pull-up shooting ability that he that he brings to the fold so you know it's some sometimes may, might be a bit random hell even against us in I remember a particular game this season where he some randomly came down the court, stopped at, at the top of the three-point line and pulled up. He'll give us another dimension on offense that I see Kenneth's face. <laughs> uh, he'll give us another dimension on offense that we unfortunately didn't have last season due to lack of, for lack of a better word, uh, I wouldn't say poor guard play, but it was subpar guard play in some regards, particularly in the point guard position. And the and on defense, it's a given for with him. He'll take charges. He'll he'll attack at the point he'll be a point of attack defender although not not as good as he was in the previous season he's 35 understandably he'll take a bit of a decline there but that he built such a great defensive scheme that i think they'll they'll counter the those deficiencies that might come at the point of attack with him and yeah i'm also excited for his impact on offense because of the things that i mentioned and i forgot to mention the pick and roll game between him and bam and abayo i think that'll be huge for, for us. JJ said it all there, man. But for me, I mean, just to like tie a bow and not repeat everything he said, what we were missing last year was that three level scorer who could get us a bucket in big moments when Jimmy Butler was being double teamed, when they keyed on Jimmy Butler. Because even as I mentioned about the bubble and this continued, 
Jimmy Butler's the engine. He's what makes us go. And everybody else knows that too. You know, Duncan's going to hit his shots. Bam needs to be more aggressive, but he's going to do everything that he does. Um, but Jimmy Butler is the key to it all. So having another guy that you could go to in those big moments where you could say, yo, go get me a bucket. They're going to double Jimmy. They're going to drop somebody over on Duncan. You're going to be one-on-one and Bam's going to be one-on-one. Either you go get it done or you make it so that Bam can get it done. And like JJ hinted on, it's like when you have a guy who can pull up from 35, just on a dime, you know, look off and then he pulling up. Happened to us so many times. Trauma. That's why I had to act it out. Um, you, you, you have a different dynamic and you're talking about a dynamic addict to a team that, you know, just a season or so ago made a run to the finals. Now, again, I wanted to clarify, everything we're saying about fatigue isn't an excuse because we lost. We got beat. They beat us like a drum. I mean, like the biggest broom ever. You know what I mean? Um, so you, you can't really look at it as an excuse as much as just us trying to literally make sense of it all and give a solid take based off the facts of the situation. Yeah, man. You know, when I saw when I saw that 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 sign and trade go down, and I saw Kyle, uh, Kyle Lowry land in the heat, and I, I just really feel like I had like one of those like come to Christ moments. I was like, this is a perfect match, man. Like this is perfect. You know, everything that everything that that both Kenneth and JJ you, you guys talked about, and then also another thing that you know I really am excited for for the Heat is that he really fills all the gaps that they need, especially in that backcourt, the defense. You know, one of the biggest things that they that that the heat lacked in was that backcourt defense with Tyler hero. We all know, you know, he can't really be, he's not a capable defender in it with to, in the guards in today's league. So I think that, you know, adding like how Jay Hill said, uh, you know, a pit bull guard back there is great, man. But you know, w- w- that actually transitions us to my next point here. And um, you know, Kenneth JJ, I got, I'm expecting big things from you guys this year. I'm expecting some big things because so I'm looking at the roster. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm well-versed on the entire NBA, but of course, before the uh, these interviews, I like to look, I like to look at the roster, look at the team, you know, like look, look at, look at what's coming up. And I'm looking at your guys' roster and I come to this conclusion that you guys got a pretty complete roster, like up and down the up and down eight, like eight through Z. And a lot of people are sleeping on the heat, man. So check this out. So you guys have your stars, you know, your go-to guys in Jimmy, bam you know people some people may not say bam's a star in my opinion bam he's kind of he's breaking out man he's, he's breaking out into a real star and then you got oladipo if oladipo can stay healthy but if he can we see what oladipo can do man he can produce those numbers he can be a go-to guy you know earlier kenneth you were talking about um go get me a bucket those three guys are all go get me a bucket guys you got your shooters in in duncan you got your shooters in tyler hero now you got like how you said kenneth you know 35 uh, could pull from 35 feet with Kyle Lowry, you know, and then you got your dogs and PJ Tucker, Marquise Morris. And let's be real. The Heat's roster is just full of dogs every single year, man. We all, we all know that they got their vets in UD and Kyle Lowry and Dwayne Dedman, and they got their role players, man. And, and uh, Kayla Martin, Gabe Vincent, man. So I'm just really looking at the Heat roster this year. And I think a lot of people are asleep, man, because I'm, I'm looking at a top, three seed in the East next year. Pro if, if can stay healthy, of course, because with this roster, man, I'm, I'm expecting a lot. So I know that was long winded, but talk to me how you guys feel about, uh, about the Miami heat and the roster. Do you guys, are you guys as excited as I am? Cause I'm, I'm, I'm feeling, I'm feeling good about the heat this year. 
we're probably more excited than you because let's let's keep in mind you're a Lakers fan. Um, but <laughs> no, I'm joking with you, man. Um, with that being said, I, you, at the end of your spew there, um, a very good spew, might I add. Um, you could wear a Heat jersey. <laughs> um, you mentioned Dwayne Dedman, and I think that, and I wrote this the other day because I'm also I also write for all you can heat. JJ tells me there's no such thing as a shameless plug, so blame that on him. Um, you you look at him like a jumbo utility piece. Whether you're bringing together a lineup, whether you want to play two bigs, whether you need a seven-footer in there, but you want to maintain spacing, um, you need rim protection, you need toughness, you need a guy in there that'll stand up, you know, and look crazy and act crazy with Dwight Howard. Um, there was a time prior to the UD incident last year where Reza had to separate Deadman and Howard, and I just loved it. But, I mean, guys like that. And then you didn't mention this guy, and I was waiting for it. Max Strews. So he's prime for what I call a Duncan-like ascension. The guy can shoot it. The guy can do a lot. He can finish. And he's sneaky athletic. And I think that what that'll provide for that second unit is a Duncan Robinson-like impact. And when you're talking about that amount of spacing for all of the guys you named, the reserve guys, I mean, you're talking Keith, you're talking PJ, you're talking, I mean, I think that lineup will be a little intermixed because I don't know exactly where those guys will fit and how Eric Spolstra will deploy it because Spo probably doesn't even know yet. But when you're talking about all the guys that they can throw at you, man, like you said, we got a pretty deep roster. And that's not to even mention Yurtsevin. And I don't think he'll get a lot of key time early because he has a lot of defensive stuff he needs to clean up. But, I mean, you're talking about a guy, if you give him 10 to 15 minutes, he'll get you 10 points just from being out there. Yeah. And, you know, I agree with you. This is a pretty complete roster. The only, the only little issue that I see maybe is that the power forward position, maybe at something more a bit there. I'm sure there will be somebody in the buyout market whenever that starts or even at the trade deadline that we can add because P.J. Tucker, he's late. I project him to be our starter, but P.J. Tucker's got a lot of miles on him already. Hell, he even played center for a bit there for Houston Rockets, and you know your body can take a beating there. And he's he's not a young man right uh, at the moment, but still, uh, aside from that little concern, and you know the how Oladipo comes back because in our show, Kenneth and I discussed that there was an updated timetable for him that he might be back by November, which seems a bit optimistic given the the severity of the injury he suffered. But if he's back by um, we we both said that it might be realistic to see him in January, and he's back to 80-something percent of 2018 Oladipo, who was an All-NBA guard and All-Defensive, all defensive, I believe, first-team guard and league leader in steals. That would be huge for us because he will apply, apply a lot of rim pressure and be the best point-of-attack defender point at, at the absolute best for our team. And that would be huge for us, especially, like, if we match up against the Brooklyn Nets, you got we got the ultimate switching defense to counter. You know you're never gonna you're never gonna stop them, but if you can just slow them down a bit, then it's fair game. Yeah, man. <clears throat> and you know while we're on the lines of of you know just talking about the 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 Miami Heat roster, I do got a a, a question. I definitely need both of your guys' opinion on this, man. You know, being being a Miami Heat fan, um, I'm sure you guys feel a little a little more. Uh, you could, you like this guy more, but most of the league, you they don't put much value in Tyler Hero, man. So I want to know 
it, it, it's it's Tyler because Tyler Hill he he has a lot of potential, man. He could really pop, but he could also not pop because he also has a lot of toxic personality traits that seems like it is just not gonna work, man. Especially over there in my in Miami, the three hundred five. But I want to know how do you guys feel about Tyler Hill and is is he an untouchable? T- uh, well, I'll go first because I I want to. Oh, I'm sorry, Kenneth, but let me go. Let me <laughs> let me take this one first. Uh, I wouldn't call him untouchable. There are very few guys. Admittedly, there are very few guys in the league. I probably could count them with both of my hands that are truly untouchable in this league. Tyler Hero, unfortunately, is not one of them. He's not at that level anymore. However, he's still. I still think he'll be very valuable to our team. And the jump will come this season. He finally this, remember this is his first full off season since he entered the league because last off season basically didn't count. They had seventy two days to basically try to improve whatever he wanted to improve, and that's not enough, as we know. If you want to truly improve your game, you need time. You need to be in the lab every single day, and Admittedly, you know, their Instagram pictures and stuff and their workout videos, but he has been 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 seen putting in the work. So yeah, all the funny pictures with him looking like Sulander aside. Uh he I feel like he he's put in the work and he has addressed some of the issues that that were that were of concern with him, particularly his handle, build building that frame. He, he there, I don't know if you guys saw the picture, maybe it was just after work or maybe he was just dehydrated but he looked jacked in a in a particular picture so he seems to be addressing those issues that people had with him and he's he seems to be on his way to putting a productive campaign and not to say that last campaign wasn't wasn't productive it was just that since you know he's he's a guy that scored 37 points in an eastern conference finals game so people were expecting big things for him so maybe he was a victim of his own expectations this is always an interesting topic with me i mentioned exactly what jj hit on the whole shorter you know off season and not having as much time between that as he did between the first part of the bubble season and the second part and you saw the leap that came with that when you speak about those toxic personality traits it doesn't happen with every nba superstar but i can name 10, 20 NBA superstars, Al Navis and Charles Barkley, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, that also have toxic personality traits. And I'm not saying he's any of those guys. So what I'm saying is I don't think that that particular judgment, and this isn't a knock on you because you're not the only person that says that. I don't think that that particular judgment is a bad thing. If you're talking about a pro athlete, then you need those toxic personality traits because you have to believe if nobody else does that you're better than you are and always better than the guy that's in front of you. So I think you have to have, I always say it like this, toxic personality traits is kind of synonymous with this. You have to be a little nuts to be the best. You gotta be. There's the only way that you could do it. Like if you look at a you know psychological profile of Michael Jordan in his prime, you probably think he need to be committed. Seriously. So that thing aside, when it comes to him as a ball player, man, I think he's being too harshly judged. I mean, you got to realize that the guy's still a young player who was going into his third year, first real off season. I mean, what do you want from him? He increased his number statistically across all categories last year and with minimal drop-off and efficiency. So if you're trying to nitpick, then that's one thing. But if you're looking at it and taking it for what it is, that's a totally different thing. And once you begin to do that, then you see that the guy is a good ball player who needs to work on certain things and probably was tried, you know, they probably tried to force him to do a little bit more than he was comfortable with last year, early on, specifically the ball handling. 
And I had this conversation with somebody earlier. From a creator's perspective, he's a good creator. The thing about that, though, is he may not always be the best ball handler under pressure. And that's where the issue comes in. And I think there's a difference there. I mean, okay, okay. It, yeah, uh, I was going to mention no. that. Yeah, go on. Go oh, sorry. That early on, as Kenneth said, to start the season, they slotted him as the starting point guard. And there, it was a failure. He couldn't handle the point guard position. He, this processing speed was still still wasn't up there to to handle an NBA offense. You know, be the point guard for an NBA offense. And his handle, as Kenneth pointed out, wasn't the best to be under pressure, especially being an NBA point guard. But you probably will get there. Okay. 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 Yeah. No. And and I, I, that's you mentioned a lot of you know interesting points about Tyler Hero, and and I definitely agree that with Kenneth that you, you need that it factor and every star. And I'm not saying, yeah, like you said, Tyler here is a star by any means, but he definitely has, you know, skills and, and traits um, as about him as a player that could, could boost him at some point to, to that, to that level. But uh, let's talk about, you know, the other half of the bubble hall of famers, as I call them. Um, and, and that's Mr. Five year, 90 million uh, Duncan Robinson. So we saw that, you know, his, his numbers, you know, took a little bit of a dip this season. And maybe, like you said, that it could be fatigue as a shooter. You need your legs. And, and they had coming off that short rest. But, but talk a little bit about Duncan Robinson and what do you see his role coming in, um, what you guys see envision as his role coming into, you know, this upcoming season. And do you think that those numbers were an indication of, you know, more, obviously he had more attention Uh, this this past year because of what he did in the bubble and do you think that's going to be a trend we're going to see his numbers continue to decrease or do you think that was just an outlier and talk a little bit about Duncan Robinson I love this question man and I love this question because it, it always leads me to ask this question let me ask you guys something uh, I think you said you were in Canada right oh yeah yeah you're from mean, Canada yeah. Okay. no I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm from the Bay but I'm, I'm yeah Originally from the Bay, okay, but so I'm mean, currently in Toronto. Yeah. So you're a Golden State Warriors fan? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. So you would actually know this firsthand. Let's say you had a Warriors guy. Let's say you had a Lakers guy that shot over 40% from deep on over eight attempts per game. Mm -hmm. Do you care what the number is? Nah, no. Nah. Do you care if it's 44? Do you care if it's 40? Absolutely not. Clay Thompson. Nah. So, yeah, yeah, he came yeah. down from being miraculous. Mm-hmm. But to tell me that 40% is a decline is blasphemy. He can't be miraculous, but he was still among the best in the league. There's name, probably two guys better than him. 40% on over eight attempts, that's the elite of the elite. I don't care what the other numbers are. So I get it, and you're right, relatively, but I don't care because he's still shooting 40% on over eight attempts per game. And those two guys play for your for your team so yeah so uh, I will to answer this question I see his decrease as something that was expected you know there was a natural regression to come because he quite literally had one of the greatest catch and shoot three-point shooting seasons in NBA history before during uh, before the bubble and you know during the bubble we call it the bubble year so yeah some regression was to be expected So, and as Kenneth pointed out, eight attempt, 40% of eight attempts per game is still pretty damn good. So 
I'll take those numbers any day of the week. And, you know, he got properly paid for, for the skill set that he provides in today's NBA. That's extremely valuable. And I think he might even improve this, this coming season with the additions that we have. And now there won't be so much pressure on him because I, listen, I really hope that we don't keep spamming those dribble handoffs between him and Bam because they're effective to a degree, but defenses are starting to catch up on that. So maybe we need something, we need something else to counter that. But with Kyle Lowry's addition, that's something else that comes in. He's an additional playmaker that will find him. And with Duncan Robinson's off the ball movement, what else can I say? That our, the, the heat offense will be much improved this season and Duncan Robinson will improve. I would say he will improve from last season. That brings us to our next segment here. And what we like to ask is, is we have the clutch talk timeout. So basically what I'm going to ask the two of you and, and you can are each going to probably have your own answer or maybe you'll agree on the same player. But who is the, your clutch player? As simple as that. Like, who is your go to guy? I mean, you got a lot of options. You got who you just brought in. And we talked about Kyle Lowry. We talked about Jimmy. We've seen Bam hit those big shots. The shot that comes to mind is against uh, Brooklyn. I think that was over Blake, or I can't even remember who it was. I mean, that was a huge shot for them. But who who is your go-to guy? You got a lot of options. Is it all three of them, or who who is it? And, and well, this, I mean, the shot was over Jeff Green. By it was the way. Jeff Green? That's what it was. Yeah, it was Jeff Green. <laughs> I mean, to me, there's only one answer: it's Jimmy Butler. Okay. I don't. You know, Bam. Bam is great, of course, but you know he still has a ways to go to be that that guy which both Kenneth and I believe he can be at his peak and then probably in the near future, hell, maybe even this coming season, that would be tremendous for us. But right now, the answer is Jimmy Butler. And that's because he's been doing it for however many years now. He's an all-NBA dude. He can get you a bucket whenever you need it to. He can get, he's one of the rare guys that can get you a bucket and then go ahead and get you a stop on the other end and strip the guy or, or block a shot. So to me, it's Jimmy Butler. I would have to agree. If you put a ratio on it, it would be about 75, 25 with Kyle Lowry coming in and having that three level ability. You have to give him the respect um, and you're going to need it um, for him to hit some of those shots or make some of those plays in those clutch moments for you. So it's 75, 25. But if you only could choose one guy without a doubt, like JJ said, it's Jimmy. I mean, there's, there's no other right answer. And you saw it on full display. Um, well, you've seen it on full display during his entire tenure with the Miami Heat. If you not even if you watch the Miami Heat closely, if any game you know occurs that you can see on national TV, because they don't put us on a lot. Well, hey, to be fair, they put us on a bit this season, this coming season. We're not going to be fair. They don't put us on as much as they put some <laughs> other teams on. They shove New Orleans down our throat. Anyway, yeah. um, mm-hmm. if you've had a chance to watch Miami, then you'll know that Jimmy Butler's the guy that gets it done for us. Um, it's funny though, that you guys mentioned the Brooklyn, you know, the Brooklyn situation and JJ brings it up and he knows I'm going to die on his horse. If I do it by myself, it's just what has to be done. Um, he has to be Brooklyn aggressive all the time. And that's the thing that really bothers you as a Miami Heat fan. Bam Adebayo has that in him and he showed it to you right there. So a lot of people are clamoring and still excited about that. Like, did you see what Bam did in Brooklyn? Like he, he has that in him. I'm upset. Because I'm like, yo, why am I not getting that for 82 games a year? I need that every night. We're a title team without a doubt with that every night. So um, to answer the question is Jimmy Butler, but 
Like Kyle Lowry will definitely be spliced in there. Bam has the potential. And like JJ said, we could see that occur as soon as this year. And hopefully that's what happens because with an aggressive Bam out of bio, 15 shot attempts or more per night in a make or miss league, it doesn't matter if he makes them or miss them because with his talent and just the thing that he does on the floor, something good will always happen with a certain title contender. Okay. I was ready for the 15 shots per game. <laughs> that, yeah, because yeah. Kenneth loves that. Yeah. Now, oh, so, it's, it's 15, man. It's 15. So just to give you a couple of numbers, between last season and the season prior, he increased his output from a shots attempted perspective by 2.5, and his points output went up about three points. So if he increases his shot output another 2.5, which will take him to 15 shots a game, you have to imagine that that takes his average up about five or six points, which takes him from 18 to about 23, 24 points a game. And he's going to get you 10 boards at least. He's going to get you five dimes at least. He's going to get you one steal at least. I'm just saying the man can be a whole fool and, and a block and a block. I mean, shout out to Jason Tatum. The man can be a whole fool. So he needs to be that every night is all I'm saying. Am I, am I a heathen for one the most? Nah, oh, no, no, not at all. Not at all. And, and, and to follow that up, I, I watched enough heat games and follow, definitely followed Bam's stat line because he was on my fantasy team last year. So I, I saw – the crazy part about him was you, seen, you see the flashes, like you mentioned, the Brooklyn game. You'll see the flashes of a big game where he takes over. He's that, that aggressive mentality, that dog, number one. I'm the, the, I'm the number one option. No one's telling me nothing. But then there's games where he just kind of fades back and lets people or other people. So if he takes that next step. Um, it would be great. But like you mentioned, so you got Jimmy uh, Jimmy Buckets as your number one option. Let me ask you guys about your your roster next year. Sorry, your lineup. So your starting lineup and then your, you know, your your second unit, you know, your six, seven, eight options. And it might be different for both of you. So you can go back and forth. You got at the one, two, you know, three and likewise. So so it's kind of answer that question for me. What, what starting lineup and then second unit and rotation? Well, if I think the starting lineup for me is pretty simple. Kyle Lowry, Duncan Robinson, Jimmy Butler, PJ Tucker, and Bam Adebayo. Now, come playoff time, if Victor Oladipo is healthy, there might be some questions about that two-guard position because if you sorely need point-of-attack defense against an elite backcourt, like let's say, again, the Brooklyn Nets, Victor Oladipo is your best bet there. However, during the regular season, and I expect for most of the playoffs for to for Duncan Robinson to be part of that shooting guard, uh, the starting shooting guard. Excuse me. Now the second unit, of uh, the the clear cut six man, he's got is Tyler Hero. He doesn't have Goran there to take a share of the shots away anymore. Although, if we're being frank, most NBA most NBA off most NBA benches don't play together fully every game you know you sometimes leave a, a starter sprinkle sprinkle in there so what i would like to see is some Kyle, you know jimmy gets subbed out and then you have kyle lowry and bam on a bio running the offense by themselves and then you bring in deadman and keith strews and then you have tyler hero and jimmy butler to be your number one and number two on offense and, you know, the defense doesn't shouldn't suffer much of a drop off, as we saw Dwayne Detman is fantastic on that protecting the rim. He doesn't have Bam's switch switching ability, although who really does in the league? I think the only other guy that has that switching ability plays for the Lakers. His name is Anthony Davis. But other than those two guys, I can't think of any other guy 
maybe that one guy that's in a bit of trouble up there in Philly, but we don't need to talk about him. Everybody's been talking about him at nauseum. But <laughs> those are the only guys. Well, you have to also mention his guy, too. I'll, I'll take Draymond to that category. Oh, yeah. I, I was going to say you got to mention my guy, Dre. I appreciate that, Kenneth. Uh, yeah, but yeah, no, I for, forgot about him. Sorry. NBA and champion in Giannis. I don't yeah. know how you can, good I feel I about Giannis on my point, though. I think a yeah. point guard that, that can take advantage of his quickness can take advantage of him mm-hmm. and get him in foul trouble. That would be my only thing. Two through five, though, I agree. Right. Yeah. And, and Giannis has some, a bit of trouble. For some reason, he's so big, and yet he has trouble navigating screens. For some reason, he doesn't completely fight over them and quick guards can like a Kyrie Irving can feast on that. So yeah, those are my lineups for me. Obviously I'm not the coach, so that's up to Spo, but Hey, Spo, if you are listening to the pod, this is, these are my suggestions. As I mentioned, JJ, he doesn't even know what he's doing yet. So he's probably open <laughs> to suggestions. I mean, training um, cap has any, I open, agree so. with you. Yeah, right. I agree with you on the start lineup. As I said, um, I didn't want to, you know, concretely peg P.J. Tucker into the starting unit. But if I had to pick a guy, I would say it would be him. Um, of course, like you said, Tyler Herbert will be the sixth man. Now, to touch on your Victor Oladipo point, I don't think you can take Duncan Robinson out of the lineup because of the immense spacing that he provides. Like, even though Kyle Lowry will prov- provide a situation this year where you can't have two guys in physical proximity of him, there'll still always be two guys with eyes on him. Um, so I don't know if you could take him out, even though, as you also mentioned, which I was going to kind of tie that together with, when are they ever doing complete shifts where they're playing, you know, a whole five off the pine and a whole five off the starters. So there'll be moments where Victor Oladipo will get his, you know, chances to play with the starting unit and be that point of attack defender if they need more of that at any given moment. Um, as far as the bench goes for me, though, and I keep going back to this guy, I think Max Struess is really important. Um, I don't know if he's seven or eight. But I think he's going to be in those top three options. And as you mentioned, the guy, Dwayne Dedman, um, his ability to finish and rim run last year was second to none once he joined the Miami Heat. He was arguably one of their best players, you know, within that first three weeks that he joined. The energy, the finishing ability, the, the presence at the rim and in the paint, and just knowing that you can't take everything you have and throw it at our best perimeter players, because if you do, Dedman's going to get a bucket to draw a foul. That meant something. Um, so if you look at that bench unit, I think those three guys will be key. And I also have another guy that I'm going to mention. And nobody likes him except me. So I expect to see the faces twist. And JJ probably already knows where I'm going. I think KZ Akpala as a stopper off the bench is going to be really key. And people are looking at him and judging him to be something that I believe is doing the same thing that they did with Tyler Hero. You can't force him to be what you want him to be. You have to appreciate what he is and understand his deficiencies and want him to get better, but appreciate what he is. And just like Duncan Robinson, which is why I mentioned another reason you can't take him off the floor. You have certain guys. Duncan Robinson will probably be one of them for me, as well as KZ. They play differently depending on the level of talent they're playing with. So if you put KZ around summer league guys, you're thinking he's playing against summer league guys. He's a dominant. He should dominate. Whereas with KZ, a guy that does everything well, it doesn't matter who he's playing against. If he has better talent around him, he's going to look better. A guy like Duncan Robinson, it doesn't matter who he's playing against because he's a shooter of the highest order and he you know, depends on the space just to be able to get his shot off. If he's playing around better talent, who's going to take 
slightly more attention off of him than lesser talent, he's better. So I think that that's a phenomenon that play with KZ, and I think KZ is going to perk up and have a big role with us this year. Even if it's only like a 10 to 15 minute, hey, go get him. Hey, don't let him score. I think that's going to be a key role for us because you saw it at times last year against guys like James Harden, against guys like um, there was ah, – I can't think of it, but it was another one of the perimeter elite scores, basically. If you have a perimeter elite score that's just giving you all the problems and all the hell, I think he's going to be a guy that has a key role in that area. So while I wouldn't say exactly what the rotation will be, I can say that I think our most important guys off the bench will probably be Tyler Hero, as mentioned, Dwayne Dedman, Max Struess, KZ. And I think Keith's going to have a big role because his offensive versatility for that second unit um, I think that's going to be key. You like a Swiss army knife and especially a guy with the mentality that Keith has. He's ready to knock somebody out at any given moment. And you love that. Yeah, no, I'm glad, Kenneth, I'm glad, glad you touched on KZ because that was my next question. If, if you uh, saw any minutes and any a role for him. So the next one, I, a question I got for y'all, like kind of, kind of a funny question or, or however you want to take it. Can, how many appearances do you, are we going to see from UD this season? Like over or under five? Or, or what are y'all guesses this season? How, how many you got for, for my guy UD? The longest, I'm maybe one of the over. longest tenure. Like what you got? What you got over? I'm not taking over? the over on that. <laughs> no, I'm not yeah. taking the over it's, on that. It's one. the under. I am They're a probably, man and I'm. Hey, no one probably... to, to bully Dwight this year? What, what you got, uh, Jade? <laughs> They'll probably put him in like at the end of the season just for him to appear on the records book of the record books like hey this guy played his whatever 19th season it is but hey he he can stay as long as he wants you know it's, some people are complaining to hell he's taking a roster spot or whatever hey he, he brings a valuable presence to the locker room that maybe as a coach maybe as part of the coaching staff he cannot bring but over if i had to bet I would say under, unfortunately, but hey, the man is 40 years old. He's, there's not a lot he can contribute to the court right now. Hey, let, me, let me ask my man something. How many times do he play the Lakers this year? I believe that two, played twice. Two times. Oh, I know the number. I was just making sure you knew. That's how many times you'll see UD. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, two. Okay. <laughs> You can bet whenever Dwight takes the I'm floor. Sure you, I'm yeah, sure you're yeah, picking no, up got, what I'm putting down. I'm, I'm yeah, picking up what I'm putting down, KB. <laughs> I'm picking yeah. up. In that, in that Philly game, he had to let him know, too, man. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. All right. All right. So I got a question. I got a question for you guys. And, man, honestly, guys, I'm loving y'all energy, man. I'm loving y'all. Y'all energy is great, man. So I got a, I got a big question for you guys. When I, So when I look at your guys' roster, man, I see a big problem and I see a big problem with the bigs. So I need, I, I need to know what the problem is and I need to know what, what you guys think the solution is. So this is the problem I see. There's no real, real big bam out of bio. He plays the five, but I mean, let's be real in today's league. When there's Joel and beads, when there's uh Jokic's, when there's uh, Anthony Davis's, I mean, we saw in the bubble, I mean, uh, bam had a hard time against a player like Anthony Davis just because it's just undersized for to play the five man. So, and really besides, besides uh, bam out of bio, you, at the big position, you have du- you have Dwayne Dedman, who I think will bring good uh, good minutes at protecting the rim, but really limited to only that. And will will Dwayne 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 Dedman be getting big minutes and deep in the playoffs? 
probably not. So I just I, I just wanted to know what, what you guys think and how, does that concern you guys? You know, when, like I said, when there are uh, such dominant bigs in the league like Joel's, um, how, how, how would you feel going up against a player like that only having Ben or only having a Dwayne Dedman to uh, do limited amount of uh, impact to him? Mm, well, historically, Bam has struggled against those type of guys like Joel they're, who are really tall, really strong. But again, around the league, who you can say that can properly stack up against a guy like Joel Embiid? You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Like three guys. Probably like three guys. Exactly. So, And even they're going to get beat. Yeah. Yeah. yeah because that's you Joel Embiid. You can him. You can only contain him. He's that level of player. He's He's got that type of talent when he's healthy, of course. So, that being said, you know, something something that I think – I wouldn't call it a mistake, but I would call it a, a an observation, let's say. Dwayne Detman and Bam Adebayo barely shared the floor last season. Now, I would like to see more of that this coming season because with, with the Hawks, Dwayne Detman showed that he could space the floor. Now, he won't take eight three-pointers a game. But if you leave him open, he'll make he'll take them, and he'll probably make make a couple of them. And with Bam, he keeps expanding his range, which hopefully one day reaches the three point line. Although right now we're at the mid range area, and he's become quite good at that. So on offense, that might be a bit of an, that might not be as big of an issue as some might think. But hey, if you're facing one of those guys, you probably throw Dwayne Detman at him and have Bam play. What sometimes I feel like might be his natural position, which is power forward or just a, a power forward center hybrid, which he can play and have him switch out onto perimeter, but also guard some big guys, but not as big as Joel Embiid. And, you know, hope for the best because sometimes that's what you can do with a guy like Joel, especially with his improved footwork and improved mid range jumper that basically virtually makes him an unstoppable offensive player. I mean, I tend to agree with JJ, of course, but that's probably kind of why we get along so well. I hate it. I really do. Um, It's, you know, one of those situations where we talk about it all the time. The only thing keeping Joel Embiid from being a top three guy is health. If you could count on a guy to play 76 or 82 games, there aren't two guys in the league better than him. And he's still a top five guy with the health issues. So you're talking about a guy like him, a guy like Giannis, a guy like Joker. You can't expect to stop him. Containing them is all you can hope for. However, when it comes to Bam Adebayo, he is undersized and he has traditionally struggled. You have to believe that his ability to – he's like hes like a defensive Highlander. Are you guys familiar with the Highlander? The, the car? After he cuts off your head. The, no, the Highlander, the, the TV show. Oh, no, no. no I thought you were talking so, about Toyota Highlander. No, 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 no. Not the, oh, my God. My guy drives a crossover. No, um – <laughs> the, after the Highlander cuts off your head, he then proceeds to, you know, take your powers. So Bam is kind of one of those guys is after he sees you enough, he starts to learn you. He really is a computer on defense. He learns you. So with Bam, because he isn't as big, but his athletic abilities and his simple defensive abilities, you know, the guy can guard point guards, two guards, three men, four men, five men. His ability to just guard will allow him to, at worst, hold his own but that's also like JJ said and, and why I've mentioned him a ton prior to this question I think Dwayne Dedman is being underrated in that aspect the guy came on after midway through last season 
and he played 20 games with us. And you saw his impact on both ends in that perspective. At the very least, Joel won't just be able to post up in the paint and say, hey, this mine. I'm going to take this and can't nobody stop me. Because Dwayne Dedman will be there to say, hey, brother, I'm seven foot two. So I think his impact there has been underrated. As far as the rest of it goes, I think that was our aim this year. You look at guys specifically like Keith and PJ there. Even when you're thinking bigger guys like Giannis and, of course, Joel Embiid and the Joker, size is what you want to go to. But also being able to throw a myriad of different looks at them from guys who may be just as strong, just as nasty, more willing to give them a nudge or a share, that is affected too. And I think that's the way we're going to approach that, just as well as with Bam's versatility and overall defensive savantness and Dwayne Dedman's size. I think the versatility you'll be able to throw at him between those four or five guys, including Jimmy Butler, because let's not forget, this man will guard anything from the one to the five too, including that guy, um, we'll be okay. Okay. All right. I, I like that, man. So, you know, as we, as we start to wrap up here, guys, uh, two questions that we love to ask here for all these uh, fan interviews is um, barring health, you know, I, I, as a Lakers fan, I know best this last season was very tough coming off that, that, that short and off season and that you guys know best as well, man. So if you guys have a fully healthy season, fully healthy roster, where do you see you guys finishing that next year and how deep in the playoffs do you guys go? I'll take this one. 54 and 28. Top three seed in the East. Eastern finals at very worst. Okay. JJ? Uh, I would say I'll answer this question in two parts. It all comes down to me. I've been thinking about this a lot. It all comes down to me. How much of the old Victor Oladipo comes back? Because if, as I mentioned before, if the majority of that old Victor Depot comes back. The sky is the limit for this team. So everybody being healthy, Victor Depot coming back to 80% of who he was in 2018. We win. I'll say one more win than Canada just to one up in 55 wins. And see, I didn't go with the five because <laughs> the two and the five are common denominations. And I wanted to be different because I thought immediately too, hey, 55 sounds like a good number. And they could do 60 if everybody stays healthy, but 55 is good, JJ. You go with that. I love 55 that. games. Kevin, you funny. <laughs> 55 games, top three seed as, as well. And a seven game Eastern Conference final series against okay. either the Bucks or the Nets. Okay. All right. I like that, man. All right. So last question that we'd like to ask here, guys, is um, if you guys give us one word or one phrase to describe about how you felt about this last season that just finished, and then one word or one phrase uh, describing about how you feel as a Heat fan coming up in this 2021-2022 season. Well, for last season, I would just say exhaustion because they were clearly exhausted throughout the, the year and it was exhausting to watch as a fan because of all the the dumb losses we suffered games that we had firmly in hand entering the final minutes of the fourth quarter and we ended up and we ended up blowing them shout out to the Chicago Bulls in that particular game or games that we mm-hmm. were supposed to win where the Hawks the, the other star players were out and shout out to the Atlanta Hawks and Brandon Goodwin well, I don't know if he even is still in the league. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it was an, an exhaust it was an exhausting experience. And for this coming season, I would say the word is 
grit. This okay. team is grit. It's, it's gritty. And with grit, that's that's the Miami Heat way. Like that. My word for last season, man, pick a four-letter word. Just pick one. <laughs> All of them. Hey. <laughs> Nah, 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 nah. I'm talking about the expletive type. Oh, okay. Oh. It, doesn't, it doesn't even matter. Just pick one. Um, coming into this season, man, culture. The same word as it always is. It's the most culture team we've had in a while. And Kyle Laurie is what does that. We have Dwayne Dedman from the top of the season on. We have Keith. We have PJ. Uh, culture, man. That's the word. All right. All right. I, li- I-, I like both of your guys' words, man. So... All right, man. Well, this is this is a good place uh, for us to go ahead and wrap it up here. Uh, guys, we do this little closing segment here on Clutch Talk called Guess the Player. This is uh, how our closing segment works. Uh, I have five players here listed. You got I have um, accolades, things that they did, teams that they were drafted to, uh, jersey numbers that they were retired, a bunch of things. And you guys each have two guesses per, per player. You can blurt it out, shout it out. The hints will get easier as they go on. You guys got it? All right, let's sure. go. All right, yeah. let's do this, man. My man is yeah. Alex Trebek, R.I.P. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do this, man. All right, first player. This guy is a four-time champion. He is a one-time finals MVP. He is a six-time All-Star. He was drafted by the San Antonio Spurs. He most famously wore number nine. Tony, Tony Parker. Parker. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. Yes, that, I was about to say TP. Hold on. I was narrowing yeah. it down. I was like, hold on now. When you got down to the nine, that's what gave it away. <laughs> there you yeah. go. All right. There you go. I like that one. All right. Next player we got here. This guy played on four teams throughout his NBA career. He is a one-time champion. He is a one-time all-star game MVP. He's a two-time gold medalist. A 15-time all-star. Carmelo Anthony. No, he but 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 this guy got in a really big argument with Carmelo Anthony, Kevin Garnett. Yes, sir. KG, KG, the big ticket. The big ticket, big ticket, baby. All right, let's I was close, man. I was close. Honey Nut Cheerios and everything. Honey Nut Cheerios. Oh, you All right, here we go. Yeah, well, we Heat fans have a complicated relationship with. Kevin Garnett. So yeah, we do, we do, we do. It's a little complicated. All UD right. famously said he's a soft, tough guy, but that's what UD said, not me. UD said that. UD. <laughs> All right, here we go. Here we go. Next player. This guy is a one-time Rookie of the Year. This guy is a one-time NBA MVP, a three-time Finals MVP, a fifteen-time All-Star, a three-time All-Star game. MVP, a four-time champion. LeBron? No. A this guy breaks backboards for a living. Shaq? Yes, sir. Oh, yes, sir. Shaq. <laughs> there we, we got go. it up for We got it. Okay. 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 <laughs> All right. Here we go. All right. This player, he is a one-time six man of the year. He's a one-time gold medalist. He's Probably no. Oh, mm. he's probably got dunked on worse than anyone in in and in, in their career. Jason Terry. Yes, sir. Yes, oh, sir. the Jet. <laughs> yes, sir. Jason Terry that. won a gold medal. Jason wow, Terry. Yeah, he, he won a gold medal. Yes. <laughs> what in Sydney? 
Yeah, in Sydney. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. All right, here we go. Last player, last player here, guys. This guy is was a all-star game head coach. This guy was a one-time NBA steals leader. This guy is a 12-time all-star, two-time all-star game MVP, a two-time NBA champion. Dwayne Wade? No. Chauncey Billups. No, no to both oh. of you guys. I don't know. Okay. I say you're not a coach. One time finals MVP. Okay. Okay. This guy was the leader of a team that bruised up Michael Jordan. I say it. Oh, Isaiah Thomas. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. I said it. I already yeah. said it. Me. There you go. I-T. There you go. Everybody drinking Shalomar champagne. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, man. This is this is a good place for us to go ahead and start to wrap it up here, guys. Man, Kent, Kenneth and JJ, we want to thank you guys, man. You you guys were great guests. I absolutely love your guys' knowledge. You guys are knowledgeable fans. I love the vibes, man. I love the vibes, the energy coming from you guys, man. So I just I just wanted to just give you guys a huge, huge shout out, man, before we uh check out here do you guys have any last words you guys uh want to say well thank you for having us first of all we had a blast I, i'm i can't i'm pretty sure i can speak for Canada that we had a blast a blast uh doing this and you know uh thank you for having us really and check out our pod yeah yeah but uh, blast the pod bro blast the pod put, put the pod well, name yeah i was just about to say this man yeah uh, yeah check us out. thank you for having us like jj said we're going to have to have you guys on our podcast as a duo, then individually to talk about your individual teams. We'll work it out. Have your people call our people and everything <laughs> like that. Um, but at the same time, no, man, like I said, we're going to have to make it happen. Check us out and follow us at the 305 Culture Podcast. You can follow me and check out all my writings at allyoucanheat.com. And we do this thing every week. Where can they find you on Twitter, JJ? They can find me at JJ Rivera NBA. That's J J R I V S in Victor E R A N B A. And where can they find you, Kenneth? Oh man, thanks for asking. They can find me at K said K. That's K underscore said S A I D underscore Q U E K said K. Uh, we appreciate y'all having us, man. It's been a wonderful time. Man, that was that outro was fire, man. I like that, man. Okay. Hey, Jay, you got any last words to, to say uh, for Kenneth, JJ, and Heat Nation? Nah, yeah, no, JJ, Kenneth, preach y'all, appreciate y'all coming on. And, and man, I'm looking forward to seeing what the Heat, the heat can do in the East because they got a squad this year. You, and, brother, and, you yeah. looking forward to seeing. <laughs> nah, nah. It can't get I, here soon who enough. Who knows, man. man. It, it really, and I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys do. Um, I mean, go ahead and give Lake up a call. Isn't Lake up still the guy buying the groceries up there? Give him a call and say, look, man, give him Wiggins, give him Wiseman, and dangle Draymond. If that's what it takes, get Ben Simmons here. I need to see it. I need to see it, man. <laughs> oh, I need to see that it. might be the oh, that might be the first time I've ever seen somebody get fined for dissing a player. So I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah, <laughs> man. It's been a wild offseason for y'all. I mean, between Draymond and KD just airing out all the business and everything else, I mean, it's it's been pretty nuts down, you know, over that way, too. It's it's been messy all over here in California, over here in in L.A., too. You know, they throwing – they calling us the retirement home. We expect that. They calling us a retirement home. It's just crazy over here in California, man. I think y'all signed another guy recently, and and the running joke was like, yo, he isn't 35. What's he doing signing with the Lakers? (laughs) <laughs> you gotta be this is the rec, this is senior league rec team baby you ain't 35 right. yet 
<laughs> oh man this is great man this is great well thank you guys man so uh for all the fans you guys you guys heard it here first man make sure you guys go check out the guys go check out their pod man and make sure you guys go give go give us a, a a follow man on instagram twitter and tiktok man it's at clutch talk one i'm putting it right here man so just don't forget to do that and that's it man we out here y'all clutch talk out